All right, John chapter 8, please. This is the most important part of the sermon, of the service. This is the sermon. And let me uh, read to you verse 12 of John chapter 8. It should be there in your notes. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Lord, we ask you for your blessing this morning. I pray that you would enable those who are listening to me to understand your word and to see you and your light would shine in their hearts and in their minds, and that you would give me, Lord, the gift of preaching, that your word would be strong and fulfill its function to build your church in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, friends, Palm Vista Community Church is a church that loves a good Sanctified party. We love to party at Palm Vista. And you will find us celebrating God's goodness at many of our events as a church, whether it's a wedding, whether it's a quince, whether it's an extravaganza, which is a, an event that we have to just sort of celebrate our church life. We like to party. And we like to dance appropriately. And sometimes we'll party, we'll sing and dance well into the night. We've been known to do that every once in a while. Well, tonight's or this, this morning's message, is really, is really given it with the backdrop of a huge party. And that party is something called the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles was a party that every Jew attended in Jerusalem to celebrate God's faithfulness to them in the desert. And in this party, there was a very special ceremony. It was called the lamp lighting ceremony. Lamp lighting ceremony. And in this lamp lighting ceremony, the priests and the worship leaders, they were called Levites back then, and all of the righteous men and women, they would gather together in the temple and they would start singing and dancing right down into the court of the treasury. Now, the only way I can describe this for you is just imagine a sanctified conga line, okay? You got it? Sanctified conga line. Everybody with me? You've all been to weddings here in Hialeah, Quince, right? All right. By the, by the end of the wedding, everybody's up. They're dancing. They're following each other. You know, dun, 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 dun. hey, you know, and they're doing that. They're waving torches. Folks, they're doing this all night long. Let me tell you why. Because where they're going... They're going to an area where four huge lamps are affixed, are attached to the temple walls. These lamps are so big that when lit, they illumine the entire city of Jerusalem. Now imagine how big that is. So what they do is they're doing the conga line. They're they're waving the torches. They're singing worship songs to God as they light these four lamps because the four lamps represent... Two things, the memory of God with his people when he led them out of Egypt and he led them with a pillar of fire and the hope that God will always be with us eternally in the future. And it's at that point that Jesus stands up in the midst of the conga line, gets everybody's attention and says the following, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, 
but will have the light of life. Friends, this morning, God wants you to hear this. He wants you to believe Jesus for who he says he is and to follow him. It's in your notes. It's the headline. It's the, it's the propositional statement of this message. Believe Jesus for who he says he is and follow him. Jesus declares himself to be the light of the world. And he says that if you will follow him, you won't walk in darkness, but you'll have the light of life. John the Baptist said the very same thing in the first chapter of this gospel. There in your notes, you see John 1, 4. John says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And in John 1, 9, he says, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. Now, in order to believe Jesus for who he says he is, namely the light of the world, we've got to take a moment to explore the Old Testament use of light as it related to God with his people because this was referring to. This is what Jesus said he came to fulfill. So let's take a look now. Let's take a look at the meaning of light and the meaning of light with respect to God dwelling with his people from the Old Testament. There in your notes, you should see Exodus 13, 21 to 22. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. And then Exodus fourteen nineteen through 20. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud and the darkness, and listen, it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night long. So what we see here is God is with his people in the form of a pillar of fire, in the form of a cloud that lit up the night. And this pillar of fire, this presence of God with his people, did several things. Number one, it protected them. It saved them. It delivered them out of their enemies, the Egyptians. And it protected them from the army that was coming to destroy them. And it also led them into the promised land. So it led them out of bondage and slavery into the promised land. So this pillar of fire is the first picture that Jesus is fulfilling. And every Jew there knew it was. He's saying, just like God was with you in the desert 1,400 years ago, just like you're lighting these lamps to commemorate that, I am he. I'm he. I'm he. You can imagine, this caused quite a stir. But he wasn't just saying that he is the one that will lead them out. He also says that he is the one who will be with them forever. You see, the Jews lit those four lamps, praying and hoping that one day God would be with them so they wouldn't have to light those four lamps. There would come a day when God's presence was so with God's people that they would not need the sun and the moon because there would be no darkness. There would be no need to light a lamp. That's what it says in Isaiah 60, there in your notes, verses 19 through 20. The sun shall shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. 
but the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down nor your moon withdraw itself for the Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of mourning shall be ended. Let me draw your attention back to the end of verse 19 there. And your God will be your glory. Can I ask you a question? Who's your glory? What is your glory? I believe the Lord would want to answer that question, that Jesus is your glory, that your God is your glory. And he wants to give you that gift this morning as you understand this passage. Jesus came to fulfill that. But what's really fascinating, my friends, is how this Old Testament promise of light and God with his people is actually fulfilled in the New Testament in the very last book of the Bible. Look, Revelation chapter 21, verses 23 to 24, there in your notes. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine in it, for the glory of God gives it what? Light. And its lamp is whom? The Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb of God who is the lamp that will never go out and will illumine the city of God forever and ever and ever to which we hope one day to live in and we will never have darkness. We will have light forever. Amen. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what he's saying. Not only then, but now. Verse 24 of Revelation 21, by its light, whose light? Jesus' light. Will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it? Oh, dear friends, the final Old Testament passage that we're going to look at to help us understand what Jesus meant when he said, I'm the light of the world, is Isaiah 49.6. Because in Isaiah 49.6, all of these Old Testament prophecies are found in the Lord's servant or the Messiah who will be the light to the nations. Verse 6, and he says, Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel? I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Oh, hear that. Jesus stood up and said, I'm he. I'm the one that was there when you were led out of Egypt by the pillar of fire. I'm he. I'm the one that will be always the lamp and the light of eternity. You won't need the sun or the moon. You'll have me. I am he who will be the light to the nations. These lamps that you light, they're glorious. Yes, they illumine all of, Israel, all of Jerusalem. Yes, but I've come to illumine the whole world. I'm the light of the world. Aren't you glad for that? Because we live a long ways from Jerusalem. And few of us here are Jews. But his light has reached us. And he wants that light to reach others. Because he's the light of the world. He is the light of the world. Is he your light? You see, when Jesus reveals himself, he also requires a response. In chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I'm the light of the world. And then he says, all who follow me, those who follow me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So he's, he's asking, he's, he's actually requiring us to follow him. Now, a quick aside, the Jews of his day did not follow him. In, in verses 13 to 19, 
they basically question Jesus. They say, who are you to bear witness of yourself that you're the Messiah, that you're the light that all these things prophesied about? Your witness isn't true. You're boasting about yourself. And Jesus says, no, I'm not. He says, number one, my witness is true because I know where I came from, heaven, and where I'm going back, heaven. And you don't know that. Number two, my witness is true. I'm not, I'm not speaking falsehood here because I don't judge according to my own judgment. I judge according to the judgment of my Father who sent me. Remember, I came from him and I'm going back to him. By the way, you don't even know him because if you knew, you don't know me or him. If you knew me, you'd know him. And number three, my witness is true. I'm not telling you falsehoods because God himself is bearing witness with me in the Jewish law Two witnesses were required for something to be true. Jesus says, you've got your two witnesses, me and the Father who sent me. Oh, they didn't like that, friends. They wanted to kill him. And if you look in your notes there, you'll see that I've inserted verse 20. Verse 20 is a little marker in our section of Scripture today from verse 12 to 30. Verse 20 kind of is the halftime show, okay? So the first half we've just done, and now the halftime show. And listen to what it says in the halftime show. These words, by the way, these are commentary from John the Evangelist, the one who wrote uh, this gospel. These words he, Jesus, spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him. The understanding is they all wanted to arrest him. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. Folks, Jesus' hour is his cross. Jesus' hour is his cross. So point two in your notes. If point one is Jesus is the light of the world, point two, our response is to follow Jesus. And here's the deal. Because the cross is now brought into focus, we follow Jesus. Or reading from your notes, following Jesus means embracing his cross as the place where God's presence and glory protect us. Let me say that again. Following Jesus means embracing the cross as the place where God's presence and his glory protect us. It is at the cross that Jesus shone brightest as the light of the world to deliver God's people from God's wrath. Oh, let's jump into scripture to validate that statement. Look at the text there in your notes, John 8, 21 to 23. So he said to them, I am going away. You could circle that and write cross above it. What he's talking about there is he's going away. He's going to die. He's going to die on the cross. And you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Notice the sin is singular there. That means the sin of unbelief. I'm going to die for you on the cross. I'm going to shine as a light. But because you won't believe, you'll die in your sins. You'll die in darkness. Where I'm going, you cannot come. He's going back to heaven. They can't go to heaven unless they believe in Jesus. So the Jews said, will, will, you, will he kill himself? Isn't it interesting? Jesus could have said, no, I'm not going to kill myself, but you will kill me in just a couple of months. But actually, you won't kill me. I'm going to voluntarily die, but God's going to use you to kill me. Because when you kill me on the cross, I'm going to be that pillar of fire that led you out of Egypt it prophesied of me on the cross. I'm going to be that pillar of fire that's going to lead you forever and ever. Listen carefully. May the cross be the light that lights your life. May the cross be the light, the pillar of fire that you follow. Jesus Christ crucified. Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. That's the light of the world, dear friend. And, and, and I just want to say, if, if you're here this morning and, 
and it just doesn't make sense to you, or you, you find yourself questioning, I pray that God would open your eyes and bring light to your dark souls. Light to your dark souls. Because his light will never go out forever and ever and ever. Amen. Now, verse 24, he's going to press this idea of them dying in their sins. Read with me here silently from the notes. John 8, 24 to 28. I told you, that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, remember the opening statement, believe Jesus for who he says he is, unless you believe that I am he, the light of the world, the savior of all mankind, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? They were, they were bothered by this. They did not like Jesus at this point. They wanted to silence him. Jesus said to them, Just what I've been telling you from the beginning. For the last five or six chapters, folks, in the Gospel of John, there's just been this ongoing dialogue and argument between Jesus and the religious leaders. Jesus and those who do not believe in him. I am from the Father. No, you're not. I know where I came from. No, you don't. I am from above. You're from below. Oh, really? (laughs) There's just this fight going on. Who are you? Why did you come? What are you doing? And Jesus says, I have, I've been telling you from the beginning, verse 26, I have much to say about you. And much to judge. But he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. Oh, listen. Jesus is the only one that declares to us who God is. Jesus is the only one that can tell you who God the Father is. Everyone else is a liar. So what Jesus speaks, he heard from the Father, and it's true. They rejected it. How about you? How about you? How about me? How do we live? By the light of Jesus' revelation, his word, or by our own understanding? Kind of how we see things, or by tradition. Moving on, verse 27. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. No kidding. (laughs) They didn't understand much at this point, because they were darkened in their understanding. Verse 28. So Jesus said to them, Oh, this is the theme of the entire section here. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, he is referring there to the cross, to his crucifixion. When you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, that I do nothing on my own authority, but just as the Father taught me, I, just as the Father taught me. God discloses himself, dear friends, most clearly on the cross. Jesus says, when I'm lifted up, I'm going to bring a division to all mankind. Everybody is going to see and have to make a decision. Everybody's going to see. And either God is going to open their eyes to who he is, that God's glory is most revealed on the cross. Why? Because God can't be with you or me in our present condition of having sin. God can only judge you and me. So when Jesus is lifted up on the cross, what God is saying, let me reveal myself as merciful, as merciful, as a merciful God. So when you look to Jesus on the cross, you best see God as merciful. But if you don't understand that, you will reject Jesus on the cross. You will think that it is foolishness. You will think that it is not something you necessarily need. And so here's the kicker. On the last day, 
The Bible says this, every knee will bow, either voluntarily because you bowed your knee to Christ on this earth, or involuntarily because you rejected Christ on this earth, and in heaven, when Jesus comes back on the new heavens and new earth, you will bow your knee right before you are sent into eternal judgment and rightly deserved judgment. So Jesus is saying to them, back to this text, when you've lifted me up, verse 28, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father has taught me. Oh, dear friend, dear unbelieving friend, thank you for coming. Bow your knee to Jesus and receive His life. Oh, dear Christian friend, Bow your knee to Jesus and receive and enjoy the light of God's glorious presence in your life, in our church, and in the world. Follow Jesus because only he can fully please the Father. Follow Jesus because only he can fully please the Father. Look at verse 29 in your notes. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Only Christ fully pleases the Father. So do you want to know, dear Christian friend, how you can follow Jesus? You can follow Jesus by trusting him to fully please the Father and stop relying on yourself to fully please the Father. That's how you can do it. Reading from the notes. Following Jesus means trusting in his ability to always please the Father on your behalf rather than your own ability to please the Father. Here's the question to see whether you're following Jesus or not. Great question. I'm not the originator of it. Listen carefully. Are you more aware of what God has done for you in Christ or... Are you more aware of what you, and that should be you, what you must do for God in yourself? Parents, when you care for your children, do you bring them to the foot of the cross where Christ has done all for them to please the Father, where Christ is going to enable them to obey you because they're supposed to obey you? Or do you bring them to the foot of all your requirements for their lives? And do they leave your presence more aware of all the things that they have to do, perhaps aren't doing, rather than all that Christ has done for them? That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to follow Jesus. We need to come to the place where we are at the foot of the cross, where I see Jesus as the only one that fully pleases the Father, and I trust him fully, because when he was lifted up on the cross... He's that pillar of light that I follow. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. Amen. I just want to transition at this point. I want us to look at Jesus. So I'd like to ask the worship team to join me up front. The ushers, please, to begin preparing to serve us. I want to pray for God's blessings as we take a look at Jesus, the only one that fully pleased the Father. John 8, 24 to 28, reading this again, says, 
So he said to them again, I am going away. You will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. This morning, we have an opportunity to take a look at Jesus to believe that he is the one, that he is the light of the world. We have an opportunity to receive God's forgiveness so that we do not have to die in our sins. To die in your sins basically means that when you die, you stand before God and receive the judgment, the wrath that your sins deserve. We have been delivered from that. Verse 25, they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When I am lifted up, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Ushers, would you please come down? What I want to do is lead us in this time in this, in this wonderful time of receiving the picture of what Christ has done for us on the cross. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you that you are the light. Thank you that the Old Testament speaks of you being with your people in the pillar of fire. But, oh Lord, thank you that today that pillar of fire is Christ crucified on the cross lifted up the light of the world placed into a tomb three days later raised from the dead and ascended into heaven Lord right now we want to celebrate the reality of this light come into our life Lord I pray that you would bless now these elements to my friends Lord as they receive them that they would receive, oh, Father, the truth of what you've done for them. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name.